Hello, dear listener. Are you looking for a trusted name in terror? Then please, allow me to introduce you to an award-winning author with a nightmarish imagination, Miss Crystal Connor. and welcome back to this corridor of the horror den and this episode of a few notes from the author the show that talks about all horror everything with yours truly me if you're new here welcome uh, but I do need to let you know that um, because of my strong personal convictions my work in every way endorses the idea of the demonic so please note that the content here along with the other content in the other corridors are mature in nature and oftentimes will be entrenched within the realms of the unsettling. Okay, so now that's out of the way. Did you know that George R. Martin once said, a writer's natural enemy are editors? <laughs> and oh my god, I can totally understand why he would say that. In today's episode, I'd like to talk about two very important things that can be very detrimental to your writing career if they aren't taken seriously. And it's going to take a little bit of bravery on your part to fight for these things. But before we get started, let's squeeze in a quick crystal service announcement, okay? It was just one time. I thought it would be okay. I would have asked him to get tested. But I didn't want him to think I didn't trust him. I didn't know I could catch it on the playground. We were in love, so I didn't think about it. All I did is trade Lunchables. Every year. Two million kids are infected with cooties. Why didn't you tell me, baby? I thought cooties were something that happened to other kids. Cooties! I just wanted to play tag. I never thought I'd be it. And the numbers are growing. I blame myself. I made a big mistake. Even though a vaccine is available. Circle, circle, dot, dot, now you have the cootie shot. Most children never get inoculated. You may have cooties. And not even know it. I wish I would have Speak to your kids about cooties before cooties speaks to them first. What do I do now? Creatures of the canyon were as old as the making of the world. For untold centuries, they ruled the darkness in the canyon, waiting in the shadows to feast upon the flesh of man. Hanging on the canyon walls were the skins of men who had been killed for sport. The path was littered with bleaching and aging bones. The hooves of the horses crushed skulls. The wind screamed between the alley of the gorge and the falling snow stung like bees. The bird took flight. The effects of the protective mist swirling around Thane's head were immediate and drastic. He slumped forward into his horse and lost consciousness. Thankfully, by the gods, 
as they picked up speed, he wasn't unseated. Saradic, being a larger man, remained awake. The forever darkness in the canyon provided thousands of creatures endowed with shadow lives of their own, their own place to exist. These fiends who lived at the edge of the light cared for nothing for order, reason, or sense, existing in bold defiance of every law known to nature. The sounds of the human remains, some ancient, others not, being crushed beneath the weight of the stallions were muted. Like the tide caressing the shore, the other sounds he heard faded into the distance, only to return moments later. The things he saw from the corner of his eyes were frightening, beautiful, and they attempted to lure him, to snare him within their nets of deception as he struggled to keep his eye on the bird in the sky above him. Despite the warnings, his attention was diverted. The raven flew straight while the path in front of him curved. As he used the inside of his calf to steer the horse to stay on the trail, a tree moved to prevent their passage. So that was an expert from chapter 22 from my book, The Valley of Shadows, which is the third book in my Spectrum trilogy. Okay guys, let's get into the day's episode. Um, one of the most important things for any up-and-coming author, especially a black writer, is to really find your voice and be true to that voice no matter what. Because when you're true to your art, your art will always be true to you. And this is for anyone who is a creator, not just a black authors or people of color. Finding your voice is extremely important. I was in the first rounds of edits before I found my voice. I was so super nervous about having two strong black women leave the darkness because, let's face it, even though a lot is changing, the horror industry is still white male dominated. Until recently, anytime you saw a black or brown token character in a horror movie, you knew that they were going to be the first to die. In the year before my publication date, the Bloom Books publishing firm was embroiled in a damage control effort after, despite the main character of Justine's Labastier's 2009 lair being African-American, the girl on the cover was of European descent. And although this author isn't black, the internet was ablaze with black and brown authors complaining about the same thing across all genres. So I wrote the way I noticed others writing vaguely describing my characters and dropping subtle hints to black readers to let them, them know that the characters that they were reading about were also black. And that's fine, I guess, until it's not. We all remember fans losing their ever-ass-loving minds when they learned that Rue, a 12-year-old Hunger Games tribute from District 11, was black. And people are still getting in flame wars over the racial identity of Harry Potter's Hermione. The truth of the matter is, I actually knew my voice, but decided to mute it, and I wasn't really proud of myself for that. But thankfully, all of that changed due to a car repair. My brakes went out, so on a Friday morning I had to take my car in, and I had to catch the bus home. On the seat next to me was a green book with no cover. I picked it up and started reading it, and didn't put it down till Sunday. This story changed my entire life in terms of how I wanted to write. 
This book was Octavia Butler's Fletching, and her main character, a black woman, a vampire, who, thanks to the color of her skin, meant the exposure to the sound was no longer a death sentence. I finished that book in tears because I was so ashamed of myself for not having that type of courage. So right then and there, I started making critical changes to the darkness so that there would be no mistake of who my characters were. Black women, smart, powerful, ambitious, dangerous black women. Now hold that thought. Because I wasn't planning on becoming a writer, I didn't know what to expect in terms of everything that needed to happen to actually publish a book. When the first draft is completed, it remains just that, the first draft, not the last one. What I didn't know and had to learn the hard way, and by hard way, I mean kicking and screaming because I'm an artist and I'm sensitive about my work, is that the manuscript goes through multiple editing and proofreading stages before it's ready to be published. And this phase is called the reworking process. And this is the most stressful parts of getting your baby ready for the world. Beta readers and proofreaders and editors are critical. Because we know how our story sounds in our own head, if we try to self-edit, we automatically correct the mistakes in our head, which means it's not being corrected in writing, or sometimes we don't even see the mistakes at all. Another thing I learned the hard way um, was what a job of an editor actually is, and that your relationship with an editor is the most important relationship in your career. So choosing one should take as much, if not more, due diligence as it does to research your subject matter. Now choosing an editor can be tricky depending on the type of published you are. If you're self-published, you'll have 100% total control of who you bring onto your team. If you're traditionally published by a large firm and the editor was picked by the publisher, some of the changes will be out of your control. Like for example, they can change the title of your book if they feel it's not commercial enough or even change your author name to just your initials to make it less clear whether you're a man or a woman. And of course, changes to the body of your work. When you're self-published, you have the control to cut an editor loose if you aren't getting along. In order to reduce the stress of the rework process, the first thing you need to understand is what type of editor you need. The four types of editors are proofreaders, copy editors, substantive editors, and developmental editors. So a development <laughs> a developmental editor is going to be just as responsible for your manuscript as you are. Um, these type of editors help with the overall structure of the story, um, including content creation, organization, tone of voice, and even character development. This is the type of editor you need if you have a great idea for a book but don't know how or need help writing it. Copy editors, um, they fix grammar issues and punctuation errors and other problems such as awkward phrasing and inconsistent language. Copy editors sometimes provide minor rephrasing or light rewriting, and sometimes these changes are so subtle you won't even notice them. A substantive editor or line editors go a bit further by performing moderate rephrasing at the sentence level all the way up to major rewrites of entire paragraphs, sections, or, or chapters. The proofreaders um, those are the ones who find formatting and grammatical errors um, in the finished document. And these are the guys that are going to be going over your manuscript um, prior to print or web publication. 
I usually bounce between needing a copy editor or a substantive editor, depending on the length of the story. Another huge important thing to consider when you're choosing an editor is to make sure that the person has experience working in the genre that you write in. Now this is why it's so important to find your voice. Because when you have your voice, when you know your voice, you can express it to others so that everyone on your team knows what it is you're trying to say. Um, the reason George R. R. Martin said that editors are the enemy of writers is because what you'll learn as you move through your writing career is that, unfortunately, few people are equipped with the skills necessary to be good editors, and fewer still take the time to do it right. In my experience, a good editor works with you to make your work the best that it can be. A bad editor will ignore you and do what they want, even if it means destroying what you created. This is called the rework process, not rewrite. Bad editors get so caught up in their own vision of how they think things should be that they end up rewriting instead of editing. And this is where you need the backbone to stand up for the story you wanted to write and needed to tell. My first editor was a bad editor. So right off the bat, she expressed concerns that my characters weren't relatable to a large commercial audience. And that set the tone for our relationship, which was basically a reenactment of that movie with Danny DeVito called The War of the Roses. Some editors believe that their suggestions carry as much weight as the words carved into that stone that Moses brought down from that mountain, and she was one of them. After a particularly lengthy skirmish over the way she changed an entire chapter, I told her that I wasn't going to be approving any of the changes that she had just made and that moving forward, all I wanted her to do was correct the grammar and punctuation. She was pretty upset about that, but I didn't care. The problem was our writing styles were leagues apart and there's no way that she could match my tone. And I'm not being snarky when I say this, but the difference in the way that we write is the difference between eating unseasoned or seasoned chicken. So for a while, things seemed okay, but something in the back of my head told me to go reread the section of the manuscript that I had already approved. And lo and behold, you guys, she changed things back to the way she wanted them to be in hopes that I wouldn't see them because I had already approved it. And I didn't until just then, and she had changed a lot. And you can bet your bottom dollar that I went fucking ballistic. I told her that if she wanted to have total control of story, then she needed to write her own because this one was mine. And then she told me that my novel was truly a book that she wasn't proud to be a part of. And I was like, you know what? Don't worry, because you're going to be just as proud as your first book as I am with mine. So after that, uh, she said nothing to me outside the subject of my manuscript. And I was just fine by that. And then the final copy that the proofreader um, approved, she removed her name and the edited by from the title page. Like, I don't care about the pettiness, like, whatever. But I was completely vindicated six months later when The Darkness became the finalist in the 2000 International Book Awards in two categories, uh, Best Multicultural Fiction and Best uh, Cross Genre. And shortly after that, I got my rights back. So a year later, I was an independent author on tour and I met another editor. And after chatting for a bit, I asked if she would re-edit The Darkness. I told her about my last editor and the experience that I had with her and how, because of the fighting, my book could probably be better edited. And so she agreed. So then I sent her a copy of my manuscript and she starts to suggest rewriting the first two chapters 
in a way that would have changed the entire story. So in my head, I was like, fucking here we go again, right? So I asked her to read the entire book before suggesting any changes because the ones that she was suggesting so far, I wasn't going to do. And I told her, you know, once you get to the end of the book, you'll see why I'm saying this. You guys, this fucking woman, she said, well, I already know I'm not going to like the ending, so I'm just going to keep editing the way I'm editing. Can you imagine the goddamn audacity? I was like, actually, you're not, because you're not the editor that I need. And then she had a complete fucking mental breakdown. She was posting all over social media, sending me these wild ass emails. She ended up blocking me, but I have all the receipts. To this day, I still have every single email that she sent me because who knows, right? I might uh, write a tell all and it's not slander if it's true. <laughs> Maybe not, but you know, you never know. Anyway, so before committing to an editor, always like test them out. Send them a few pages to see if you are going to be on the same page. And if not, just cut them loose because it'll just save you the time in the long run. Another thing that I would recommend when you're looking to hire an editor is also follow the editor you're interested in, in hiring for a few months on social media because what they post online will be very telling. As you can tell by the experts that I read before each episode, I am not a strong reader when I have to read out loud. And you've probably heard me mispronounce some words while listening to me talk. And because of the cruel words of a person who should have never been a teacher, I am highly self-conscious of how I sound when I'm reading and speaking in public. And sometimes I'm downright embarrassed that my higher level of education came from a community college and a trade school. I already know I shouldn't be like this, but what was said was said when I was fairly young. And it's always the egregious and hurtful things that tend to stick with you. I am hyper aware of the level of my education or the perceived lack thereof when I'm speaking on panels at writing conferences or conventions. I'm terrified when I'm invited to do a reading in a bookstore and I even get nervous here on my social media platforms. What I found out years, years later is that I'm on the beginning spectrum of the dyslexia scale. So not only do I struggle speaking and reading in public, when I write, for example, I sometimes write pear and spell it for the fruit when I really meant pair, like a pair of shoes. Sometimes I use the wrong there. Um, after all this time, I still have no idea where the cum goes and my tr spelling is downright atrocious. Now, everyone complains about their job, but the difference between being a professional and someone who wants to be is professionalism. I am sure I get on my editor's last damn nerves. I know I do because like there was one manuscript I sent her where five pages was one giant run on sentence. So I know I get on her nerves, but thankfully I have never seen her venting online. The other day I saw an editor post that said, who are these writers who send in their manuscripts with all these typos and spelling errors? Like, excuse me? And then another editor chimed in to complain about people like me who use the wrong same sounding word. I know there's a word for that, but I can't pronounce it. But anyway, they were saying that this is something that people should have learned in elementary school. Had that been my editor with my anxiety about being perceived as being stupid because I'm undereducated, I would have been devastated. And I see these kinds of posts all the time. Why are you an editor complaining about having to actually edit? 
It makes no sense to me. And these are the types of editors that all writers needs to stay away from. So in closing, my advice to my fellow writers and soon to be writers and all of my creators is take all the time you need to find the right editor for you. Remember when I said, if you stay true to your art, your art will stay true to you? Well, I am proof positive of that because I wouldn't have been an international award winner or a Bram Stoker nominee if I hadn't have stood up to my first editor. And you guys, I think that's where we're gonna close it. Thanks so much for listening and hanging out with me in the horror den. If you enjoyed this episode and would like to help support a few notes from the author, please share it with others and post about it on social media. But don't stop there. Leave me a voice message and tell me what you thought about today's episode. Or if you prefer to just rate the show and write a review, I would love that too. Thanks again for hanging out with me, you guys. Have an amazing day and I'll see you all next week. Hello again, dear listener. I trust your time here was enjoyable. As you await with bated breath for the next episode, may I suggest that you wander down the other corridors within the horror den. Subscribe, follow, like, and share at From the Author on Twitter, Notes from the Author on Instagram, Notes from the Author on TikTok, Wordsmith Crystal Connor on YouTube, and www.wordsmithcrystalconnor.com for the website. And, of course, you can come back here as many times as you like.